Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church dear. Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-A-R? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear. No joke, that didn't always work. Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? Uh, you know what? That one works. Okay, Blake, tell everyone your salary. Toby, it's literally in the employee handbook not to discuss pay. Welcome to the Church Gear Podcast, where we pull the tech out of the booth and onto the stage to share the most outlandish stories and hidden wisdom from the tech trenches. And now, here are your hosts. I'm your host, Blake Hodges, a man who has read talking about salary amongst your coworkers is the quickest way to get a raise. And I'm here with my co-host, who just broke out into hives hearing this, Toby Walters. Yeah, I've uh, my personal opinion is that talking about your salary with coworkers is a really bad idea. You know how there's the church gear all group chat? Yes. There's one all minus the exec level <laughs> and above, and we've all posted our pay in a Google Doc. Uh, actually, I'm not supposed to tell you that. <laughs> so everybody already knows, but um, there we go. Let's talk about some some money here today. All right, and that's a fireable offense, so only the exec team still works here it's now. It's actually so. illegal to make that uh, like a real thing. But then again, Tennessee's right to hire, right to fire, so I'm know. like, what is illegal? That's why we live in Tennessee. It's a funny state. So, uh, Blake, we've all, uh, anybody who's had a job has hopefully earned money on that job. I'm still so, hoping um, for that here. I know. One of these days, I think at your two-year anniversary, we're going to start... Start paying Two you. Two year anniversary, bro. Oh, I'm hitting three in Dang September. It. Man, you've been here a long time. It just feels like 18 years. First full time employee at church. <sighs> so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna run down a little of my church history here. My very first uh, paying church job because I had an unpaying church job at my uh, first church growing up, just like volunteer worship and youth, and a lot of a lot of us grew up volunteering in uh, different ministries and that's wonderful. And I still volunteer in ministries at church. I have, even though they keep telling them not to, (laughs) they try to get rid of me. But uh, my first job was a part-time youth and worship pastor job at a small church in uh, San Diego. It's like 20 hours a week. And I know we're going back a ways, but this was about 20 years ago, 2003. What do you think my weekly pay was? Well, minimum wage back then was 525 times 20 that's what uh that's 200 that's 100 math is hard for you that's 100 so i made 165 dollars a week i was i was a, th- a two-thirds the way there job. and uh after it was at least a year if not two years they finally offered me a raise of 175 dollars a week <laughs> I get a $10 a week raise. And in my mind at that point, I was thinking like, just don't even give me a raise rather than insult me with $10 a week. I was going to say like more money is more money, but actually if it's like a one per less than 1%, like you're actually insulting people. Yeah. A little bit. So, uh, then I went, um, and joined a church plant and, for all of our people out there that have been involved in a church plant, you know there's not a whole lot of money up front. That Until you're really... the embezzlement <laughs> begins. <laughs> there's You're really doing this because you feel called to do it and... Uh, called to embezzle. <laughs> a, a lot of people will raise um, funds for one to two years to obviously help the financial portion of the launch. But I didn't do that. I didn't raise funds. I didn't even feel comfortable raising funds. Like, that's that's a really hard thing to call up people and say, Hey, I'm going to work a job, but it doesn't pay me. Would you like to pay me instead? So, uh, a few months in, we finally started getting a a very tiny budget. And so my pastor graciously offered me $300 per month as the worship pastor at the church plant. And at one point, and we had a, you know, a, a fun rapport so we could like you know, banter like you and I do a bit, Blake. And How so, dare you? No one can banter with you like me. At, at one point, I told him, I said, you know, I really appreciate, you know, the the small stipend you're able to give me. By the way, I actually tithe more than I make at this church. <laughs> that is such a flex. <laughs> I like it. So then moving to Texas in, uh, in 06, I was kind of a contract worship leader at different churches. I travel and I do just like uh, rehearsals and weekend service. And it was anywhere from... 200 to $500, just depending on the church, how much it involved, like how many services. And 
obviously $500 a week just to lead worship and do rehearsal in my mind was huge because I had been making $165 a week doing it 20 hours a week. The worship uh, inflation is not talked about enough. No. And then I moved into a, my band and I moved into a role at a church out there and we negotiated a, essentially a monthly salary, but we were contractors as the band and we got paid $6,000 per month as the band. So four people had to divide that up. And also we had to pay our band expenses. Like we still had, you know, equipment and uh, different stuff that we were purchasing, but that was our contract rate with the church. That's and still a lot more than the 500. The worship inflation across the nation is going crazy. So if you divide 6,000 by four, you get 1,500 bucks and then divide that by four, you actually get less than $500 a week per person. To Look do at it. that. The Fed actually decreased inflation on worship. And then when that... Um, uh, when that ended, I started doing a, a search and I actually did a candidate search with Slingshot looking for worship pastor position at churches all over the country. And I remember some of the salaries that were being offered. Um, honestly, I wished I remembered more of them, but I just, I don't remember all of them. But there was one in Kansas City and it was right around 60 to 65 grand a year. Uh, there was one in San Clemente, California, which is... Uh, it's in Orange County. It's like, it's one of the most beautiful spots on the planet and very expensive to live. Church was maybe a thousand people and they were offering $70,000 a year for the worship pastor. And then there was one church in Fresno. Blake, do you know where Fresno is? I know you hate Fresno. <laughs> it's in the middle of California and uh, people refer to it as the armpit of California. Like it's still in California, so it's not cheap to live, but it's also not very nice. It's in Central Valley it and it gets really hot. If it's the middle, it should be more like the jelly roll rather than the armpit. <laughs> it's the jelly roll of California. And they were offering me what they said, and we never actually got to the job offer. They were offering me a package worth $90,000 a year. And what that meant exactly, I wasn't sure if Toby's that included. package is worth $90,000 a year. <laughs> if that included benefits, if it had a ministerial housing allowance, um, I, I didn't quite know. But I, I know at, at that point in my life, I thought $90,000 a year, like that's that's more than I've ever heard of. Um, but that did not work out. None of this worked out. And which landed me in Nashville, Blake, which is you know, why you and I met. It's your destiny. And there was one, so what landed me in Nashville was a job with a Christian university that hired me as a full-time, you know, artist in residence. Uh, you can even call me a worship leader because I was going to go lead worship all over the place. And they offered me $60,000 a year, full-time. Um, and they offered a stipend for my band, which I told them that's not enough for my band. So I actually gave back $8,000 as a salary. I took 52 so that I could give that 8,000 to get the band to a point where I felt like, okay, I could actually pay the band enough for them to work, you know, 15 hours a week. Um, but, you know, that's my salary history until I learned, uh, or until I left that job and then just, you know, buying and selling gear full time, which led to church gear. But all the while in this, Blake, like, as you see, I made $165 a week, $500 a month, $300 a month, whatever it was, I always had side hustles that would help pay the bills. And usually that was buying and selling gear, which is why church gear even exists today, because that's what helped pay the bills. I had to, you know, I had a ministry job and they paid varying amounts, but I had to make it work to provide for a, a wife and a family. Well, you know, speaking of someone that knows all about a side hustle, the former production director at Christ Community and now director of marketing at Amplio and associate at Slingshot, look at all them side hustles, Caleb Levke, welcome to the show, bro. What's up, guys? Glad to be back. How many sides is that hustle? How many sides do you have, Caleb? Um, you know, I don't really know. Uh, now that I'm now that I'm here at Amplio, uh, my slingshot's probably my you know kind of main other love. And even when I came on staff, it was like, hey, uh, I love being able to serve uh, other churches and church production people that are looking for jobs. I feel like God is put me on this planet to help do some of that. Uh, if I can do both, then I would love to, you know, join the Amplio staff. And it was like, all right, let's do it. You know, so I get to, I get to do that and um, spend lots and lots of time with lots of church production people. When Caleb gets exercise, it's uh, exercise side hustles. When I get exercise, it's just, can I get an exercise with that? Can I get some extra green beans? Yeah, some extra I fries? thought you were going to say extra gravy. Fries. Heck yeah. <laughs> if it's white gravy, green, gray, or, uh, brown gravy, can't do it. Yeah. Okay, Caleb, <laughs> speaking of something you can do, though, we've got our five truths and a lie modified to 
two truths and a lie, and it's flipped on you. Also, Toby, are we counting this for if the guests get the points? Because we don't even have a chance to score here. I don't I don't think we count that overall. Well, first of all, I'm looking. You still call this segment Five Truths and a Lie, even though it's only three now. So straight up, you're lying to start with. Well, yeah, got to keep on theme. All right, Caleb, this is from our 378 respondents on our church tech survey, um, which actually you kind of gave me this idea to do. And then Toby also had independently told me we should do a survey. So, so it was my idea. Well, y'all both said it to me. Um, <laughs> who said it first? Caleb. Come on, tell us now. Who said it better? <laughs> uh, Who could fire you if you didn't do it? <laughs> well, I, I, I'm immortal at this point. Okay. I, yeah. Here we go. Number one, the majority of team sizes reported on the survey was zero to three people. Did people report zero people on a team? Me and Brian have talked at length about how the answer zero should have been redone. Number two, 65% of our respondents said they'd switch jobs for a 10% raise. Okay. Number three, the majority of respondents commented in the write-in portion on inflation slash raises. So I'll give it to you one more time. You got the majority of team sizes reported zero to three. 65% of our respondents said they'd switch jobs for a 10% raise. And the majority of respondents on the write-in portion wrote about inflation and getting a raise. Where's okay. the lie? Um, I think majority of teams zero to three is correct. I think... Oh, man. Because uh, they're both about raises. The other, the last two questions are, are about, about raises. So I think it could be... I think that they would leave for a 10% raise. So and fun- then the lie, the lie is the, in the comments about inflation and, and raises, although that feels very, very similar to the other one. So I, I don't know. It could be 50-50, to be honest. Toby, you don't actually know the answer to this. So no, do you I want to guess? Um, gosh, that's a good one. I'm going to guess that, uh, that the middle one is not true, that 65% did not say they'd leave for a 10% raise. Toby is correct. I, yes. had, I had that question in the survey, and then it got nixed. So. What was actually true, Blake, is that they'd leave for a $10 a week pay raise. Oh, like, gosh. I, got. Ten, I was going to say, like, 10% is, a, like, that feels low for people to want to leave, but I also kind of know the state of, like, people right now in that world, and I go, ah, I've seen seem worse. Caleb, if you were offered a $10 raise, how would you react? <laughs> um, I would say you're still going to buy me lunch today. So let's go out to lunch. <laughs> I'd pull out a 20 and be like, here's two weeks in advance. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. Um, well, let's head into the questions because, Caleb, we've got a lot of them for you. Um, give us a quick rundown of your church production background uh, and where you're currently at in relation to like how you're working at Slingshot. Yeah. Um, so I went to college outside of uh, St. Louis at a fun little uh, Christian university outside there. Met my wife, whole other fun story that I think we talked about in the last podcast in a two truths and a lie um, segment. Um, and I went from that role in uh college or, you know, what I was doing in college directly to a church. And this is important to talk about because of where I'm at now. So at the time, this is 2012-ish, I think it was, 2012, maybe 2013. I was getting ready to, like, graduate, looking for a job. Uh, Church staffing existed nowhere else existed, basically, and the church staffing was like a bust. Like, I would apply basically every... Um, time a new role would pop up and I just like, nobody would call me back. And I found this website that was literally a list of mega churches in alphabetical order. And the mega church, I think was like anything over like 1200 or something like that. Um, in alphabetical order in the U S based on like state and stuff like that. So I start in the A's and I make it all the way to the M's before I get a call. Uh, and the M's was the first call that I got and the first job that I accepted full-time out of college. So that was, uh, you know, one of the weirdest things ever to like have this like website that was just like basically just a giant like dictionary of churches, their sizes, their senior pastor, and what their like average attendance was supposedly. 
And um, then from there, uh, went and went to my first like full-time uh, production role and was there at that church for a couple of years outside of St. Louis. Um, and then uh, maybe two years later, I uh, we got pregnant with our first kid and we're like, hey, let's move up to Chicagoland, try to be closer to family. I, uh, my wife and I moved and uh, I joined staff at a church called The Chapel, which is a big multi-site church, Northwest uh, Burbs up here in Chicagoland. Um, and I was there for uh, right about six years. And uh, from there, I went to Christ Community Church, which was, which was the last church that I was on staff at. Um, and I was there for a couple of years and I transitioned off in uh, July 31st of last year, July 30th of last year. So I'm coming up on a, on a year like, like this week of uh, being out of full-time ministry in that context. Um, and through like my time at uh, the chapel, like I had like an incredible privilege of like working with a guy named Todd Elliott who uh, woot, runs woot. Philo Conference. Uh, he is the man I, I like, I feel so like lucky that like he happened to be a consultant at the chapel when I joined the staff. And so like, I got to spend, you know, basically four or five years, like just kind of helping be mentored by him, like in my seat. Um, and it was just like an incredible way to like get connected with a ton of people that Todd knew. And so I joined the Philo core team, uh, Philo conference stands for first and last out. If you guys don't know, uh, it's amazing. Everybody should attend who listens to this. Um, and I think it was 2019. And uh, this was yeah pre-COVID. So we were meeting in Lakeside Auditorium at Willow in Chicago. And uh, I remember sitting in the back of the room and thinking, if I got on stage and asked who's looking for a job, nobody's going to raise their hand because the person right here is the volunteer that they brought to the conference. And the person right here is their boss. And so they're like, oh, I can't really you know do that. But I, I knew, like I just imagined in my head, all these people's hands would go up, um, you know, if I if I ask that question. And so I kind of mold on that for a little bit. And then the next day at Philo actually ran into Stan Endicott, who was one of the original founders of uh, Slingshot Group. I knew him through Slingshot. I knew th him through some other like mutual connections and like a weird thing that I was at the National Worship Leaders Conference back in like 2008, singing in a choir with Tommy Walker that he was directing. It's a whole, that's a whole other story. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, and I walked up to Stan. I was like, hey, I know you. You don't really know me. Uh, I have this like heart for doing this. There's a couple thousand church production people here today. Um, and I had been mulling this around with Todd and doing some sort of like staffing, recruiting something with, um, uh, possibly with Philo. Like it felt like a really great avenue to, avenue to do that. And so, um, started talking with, with Todd about it when I circled up with Stan, I was like, Hey, Todd and I have been talking about doing something like this. Can we just pick your brain like over lunch or breakfast or something like that to talk about how Slingshot's doing it. And, you know, about a month, a couple months went by through the summer and um, we ended up kind of launching uh, our own thing that was called Philo Staffing, uh, like kind of powered by Slingshot Group. So we were using a lot of the tools that Slingshot was and, um, and so I kind of joined the, the Slingshot staff now four years ago in August, which is crazy. Um, and I've been I've been doing that anything from like searching and, and uh, finding people for roles in, in churches and doing a bunch of coaching and um, stuff like that with uh, church production leaders. And uh, it's been really, really cool to see it grow. And it's been really, really crazy to see what has changed from 2019 to today because of COVID, because of everything, you know, it's just, it's such a different landscape than what it, uh, what it used to be. So it's crazy. So that's my, that's like a quick rundown of kind of what I'm doing and where I'm at today. So I love that you, uh, found the mega church list and just started. It's like you went to the phone book and just started today and went down the list. And, uh, for anyone listening, like if you're looking for a job, that's that's a great way to do it, even though you don't have to do that anymore. Like if you start with A, you'll get a call back on your first church right now. That's why I thought it was hilarious. He got <laughs> yeah. to M. And uh, so I won't say his name, but uh, a friend of mine, uh, full-time production director at a church, reached out to me yesterday 
and said, hey, I just want to put this bug in your ear. I'm th- my wife and I are just thinking about, um, you know, relocating and doing a new role. He said, nothing, nothing bad about my church. Um, there's, n- you know, no major reason. We just feel God's pull doing something new. And he said, do you know one of anybody looking? And I said, dude, tell me what city you want to go to and I'll connect you with five churches that are trying to hire good production people. Like, it's not about being able to find a job right now. I think the most important thing we're talking about is like, okay, if you're in a role and like you're considering staying there or if you're trying to figure out, you know, salary ranges and stuff, like let's help you do that where you're at as much as we possibly can. Um, But man, jobs are just falling from the sky right now. And Caleb, I'm sure you're you're getting a lot of churches trying to uh, get some help with recruiting great production people. Uh, yeah, you know, I think, um, just like you said, like every church is hiring right now. Every single church is looking for somebody. Um, and I think like, uh, maybe in the last six months, like it's taken a little bit of a turn and I've seen some churches like, um, maybe not like, like, uh, massive churches, but you know, that 2000 to, you know, 1200 to 2000 person church that like, needs a TD, they've been operating maybe at like a volunteer capacity, high level volunteer. Um, Some of those times, like some of what I'm seeing is like, because of some inflation things, because of like churches being a little bit more nervous about like, who are we hiring that's ex like external from from the outside and what are we gonna have to pay them? Um, Some churches aren't able to do it. And so that's that's been a very interesting turn to like see um, a little bit of shift in like, this frantic need of like, Hey, it's COVID. Like we have to have somebody, we'll do whatever we can. Now it's like, okay, we've, we're functioning. We know what we need week to week to like function. Um, and so what's the right person and who's that person's going to, you know, who's the right person that's going to step on our staff because, uh, externally it's, uh, it can be challenging to hire from the outside and, uh, there's pros and cons to doing that the same as hiring internally as well. So so when you have churches reach out to you and whether they're slingshot or not, are they saying, yeah, we're looking for somebody with X amount of years of experience, like five plus years experience, or are they getting to the point where they're like, you know what, we'll take anybody? A um, little bit of both. So uh, I do a lot of like, we would call them discovery questions on a call with the church for the first time. Um here's the reason why, like the way that we approach staffing in that context for a church is very different than what most churches are used to. They're used to Billy growing up in, you know, fourth grade and all of a sudden making way to the audio console. And then all of a sudden he's the TD. Yay, Billy. This isn't a joke. This is everyone. I swear. (laughs) Correct. And so that's the primary way that people have done it. And the win for us at Slingshot and the way that we're looking at it is knowing, Hey, like, we actually see value in many churches hiring the way that you guys always have for the people that have grown up. uh, Culture is like probably the number one thing that like we're looking for. And so when you have somebody with a culture like skill set, you know, on your, on your, let's see your volunteer team or whatever this is, it can be a great opportunity to hire those people into those roles. Uh, But most of the time when they call us, um, they're going, hey, we explored the season of hiring Billy and we tried it out on a temp three month basis, six month basis, whatever it is. And we just don't feel like this is the right thing with somebody who has more experience over this person. They would be amazing. so we're not going to let Billy go, but we just need like a leader to like really invest in them from a production side of things. So uh, a lot of those we're stepping into that, but like uh, we see some very um, specific things that people want, like whether it's skill sets of we need them to be like an incredible front of house person. We need them to have this experience in, let's just say we, we want to have somebody who has been in a multi-site church before, or we want to have somebody who's been in a church that's larger than ours. That's a very difficult, like, like uh, thing to wrestle with if we're in a search of, of kind of figuring out what does that look like? Um, and it's, it's very different for every church. So it's hard to say like, it's a, it's a one, you know, size fits all kind of thing as like every church has its unique culture as, uh, all of us have experienced both working in church and like meeting with churches. And so, um, 
yeah, it's very, uh, very, very nuanced to like the specific church and the culture of like what they're needing, but it's anything and everything that you could imagine of what they're asking for. Okay, a quick aside, and then Blake will get back to these uh, years of experience, but taking this example, let's call him Billy. He's grown up in the church and he started, you know, running sound at 19 years old, and he's like kind of grown into the tech director role at his church. Let's say he's now, you know, 26, he's young married, and he's being paid $44,000 a year because he grew up in the church and started when he was a teenager. Do you think churches are unknowingly, I'm not blaming churches, but like they're underpaying guys that have just been there just because they didn't have to go search for somebody outside and pay market value? Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I think, um, I see it a lot and it's not just in production. Like I think that that happens in many, many areas of ministry. I think that it happens with churches all over of churches that have incredible culture. And um, I think it's something that really easily can get like pushed aside or like kind of forgotten about because there's an excitement from the person being hired because they're like, this is my church. Like I grew up here. Like this is so exciting for me to like want to be here and work in this environment that like even those people and the people being hired are like, this is great. Like I have no problems with it. And the church is like, fantastic. You said yes to a salary that was <laughs> way less than what we would have had paid if we would have had to do it from the outside. Um, and so I, I don't think that people are doing it. I'm trying to like, like paint churches in a really, really strong, like good light for this, because I don't think they're trying to do it on purpose. I just think it's happened naturally. And then over time, people have gotten used to, Hey, well, we were paying X production person, Billy, 40, thousand dollars a year and now he left five six seven years later to go to his next thing and they hire from the outside and this new guy's like i won't come for less than 65 or whatever this looks like you know obviously depending on like area so it's like very very like shocking to a church when they go oh my gosh like is it this person that's asking for way too much money or is it like us that have been severely used to like underpaying in some of these uh specific roles and I think uh, it's really important for churches to realize that I'm not saying that, you know, this scenario person, Billy, we're calling him, is the ideal candidate. But the fact that he's grown up there, that he loves the ministry, that he's been there forever, typically in my mind, he's so much a better fit for 65 grand than having to go to a candidate search, bring in some person from the outside for 65 grand. And, and it's also on that person to, to know what you're worth and to have those hard conversations. And, you know, like we, uh, we did... I don't know where this episode falls, but we did another one with uh, with Matt Wright and just talking about how to have these conversations with your supervisor, your executive pastor to approach the salary conversation. So if you're in a church and you've been there forever and you're grossly underpaid, it's it's time for that conversation. Yeah, I want to give churches, you know, two big caveats here because we're here to help everybody. We're not here to give the church tech a gun and tell them to run, like, you know, fight for salaries. Um, what Toby just said, you got to advocate for yourself. Number one, you can't assume your boss knows what you want. Um, that's why I tell Toby what I want every single day. Um, and don't assume your boss knows what you're worth. Like an executive pastor might yeah. not know that he's going to have to pay 65 plus for somebody outside when you're making 44. Yeah. And then secondly, to your point that you guys just got done saying, I think every place. It, me and my wife have talked about this. It's so bizarre. You have to change jobs to get valued for what you're currently worth because people just get used to it. It's like the frog in the boiling yeah. water. You just the people that are around you don't see your skill set. So it's not that's not just a church problem. But um, I wanted yeah. to dive even deeper into these analytics since we got this juicy survey. If you have filled it out, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. You made this, this uh, series happen. If you haven't, it's still available in our Instagram bio. You're going to give valuable resources to techs around the country if you fill it out. Um, we're going to publish it at the end of the series. So is there a magical year that you see as a recruiter um, that is like getting a bigger bump in pay? Um, because we've seen 21% of our TD respondents uh, had been a tech for three to five years. Same amount, 21% for six to eight. 23% were at 15 plus years, and that blew me away because I figured there'd be too much burnout for people to make it that long. So when are you seeing the bump of pay happening? And Blake, to clarify, you're talking about how long they've been a tech at their church. Now, that's another weakness of the survey. I don't know if yeah. if it was specific enough. Like, honestly, okay. though, I don't care. If it's, cool. if it's three churches... That's still like years of a tech, like 
experience. So are you seeing yeah. a magical year when it's like churches are willing to pay more at five years? I know in marketing, five years is oftentimes a lot. Big, oh, it's that kind of metric. Yeah. Um, I think that people throw out the five-year like thing on resume or on um, like job postings all the time. Like it doesn't matter whether you're like a fry cook somewhere. They're like five years of experience. You know what I mean? Like everybody just wants five years. I don't know. I don't know who picked five, but it is what it is. Um, here's the reality. And Toby said it, uh, I think just a second ago, like people are getting their bumps in pay by changing jobs is the reality of it. So I have like so many thoughts about that. Um, specifically, like I'll speak about myself and the way that that worked for me. So like this first job that I ever took going into um, this first church in St. Louis that I was at, I, uh, I remember having the salary conversation in the first phone call um, with the church, which by the way, I really love. Um, I think like that's the way that we approach it when we talk with candidates from a slingshot perspective. We have those conversations in the first uh, conversation, whether it's uh, both, we do it both through like a questionnaire that comes in before we chat. And then also like while we're chatting, like during an interview, because uh, everybody's different, their life stage is different, whether you have 10 kids or you just got married or you're single, um, it doesn't really matter what you're what you're wanting to make. It's just like, hey, this is what I'm hoping for. And then we kind of put you in these brackets of knowing, hey, we're probably not gonna present you a church that's paying less than that because uh, it probably wouldn't be a good you know, fit for you. And so for me, I had this first conversation in a, you know, about salary uh, going into the church. And he was, I, I'll never forget, like I remember sitting in my room and he goes, well, what are you wanting to make? And I, I had, z I had zero concept of, of how much money that I should make. I hope you didn't and say I zero. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I didn't say zero. I said, I said, um, even worse, which is probably like in the thirties. Okay. This is like, I had no, I had zero concept guys. Okay. Uh, for, for what it is. And when I started, I'm pretty sure that I started at like 35,000 in a full-time role, you know, in a church, my first gig, I was ecstatic because my wife and I had just gotten married. And to be honest, at the time, uh, we bought a house. Like I bought a house off of that salary. Like I couldn't believe it. It was dirt cheap, you know, at the time in St. Louis when we were living out there. Um, and so it was amazing, but I didn't realize it until six, seven months in that I was going, wait a minute. I started like getting on these like old school church tech forums that was run by like Todd Elliott and Bill Swearingen at the time. Dennis Choi was a part of those like, and all these forums that was on this website of like, all of a sudden people are talking about salaries and I'm like, whoa, I severely <laughs> underestimated what I'm supposed to make Oopsie. here. Um, oopsie daisy. Um, and I actually think um, now that I'm thinking about it, as I was going through the interview process, I realized when we were talking about salary range that I had, that I was definitely less. And I think at a 90 day, they bumped it to 38,000. So 38, you know, okay. So I was, you know, extra 3000. Yay. It was, it was fun. Um, but I like, when we talk about like, when are changes happening for people rarely, and this is not just in, in all, or this is not just in production, but this is in all seats of ministry. And I also believe in like jobs in general, uh, people make the largest pay bumps when they change jobs. Um, and they're, they're either going to change jobs um, because they want to go to this place um, or the only other way that they could see that large type of jump, let's say from 50,000 to 65,000 in a role, um, was because somebody offered you a different role and you brought it back to the church and said, hey, I'm planning on taking this job. And then they go, don't, go, I will just pay you that. I, that's, uh, that happens. And, uh, sometimes churches are willing to match it. Sometimes they're not. Um, I have a long story that I should talk about at some point about my experience doing that. I was just about um, to say that might be a bunny trail, but that that's a great tactic and it's fair, but it's a difficult thing to do nicely. Yeah. So we, mm -hmm. maybe we should dive into that. Yeah. I, um, okay. So I went from, that church in St. Louis to the chapel. And um, I remember this, you know, this was us moving back into Illinois. And I remember getting my first paycheck and like, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is not 
nearly as much as what I thought it was going to be me doing like calculations on like all these like, you know, salary, take home pay calculators. It's so hard because they go, here's how much you make a year. And I go, all I care about is how much I make every two weeks. Like I, it's, yeah, the it's, government a, it's a thing comes in general. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, so I jump, I jump into the chapel. Um, I was there for maybe two and a half years, three years, um, living in a very, like, I think in the time that I had started and the time that, um, that this next scenario happens, I had made maybe like an extra $2,000. And that was, I think through just like normal cost of living, like 5%, 4%, you know, increases, whatever we were doing at the time. Um, and I remember getting an offer, um, actually from the company that I work for today at Amplio. And, uh, I was going to take it. We were pregnant with our second kid. Um, if you are, if you have a spouse and you're listening to this, there's something that happens like when you have kids or when you're pregnant, maybe for me as a dad, um, I know that my wife experienced this as a mom when she was being pregnant, but like something happens in your brain that you go, am I doing enough for the family that is about to get bigger in my own home? And I start exploring, I need to make more money because I'm feeling nervous. Maybe that's me being an Enneagram six, like super anxious person in general. Um, maybe it's cause I do feel like I deserve more money, whatever the case was, I started exploring different, you know, opportunities. Um, and I felt like I was going to jump in. My wife and I prayed about it. We felt like, Hey, you know, we need to do this for the financial aspects, but we're, we're only jumping ship at the church for the financial implications of it. And I wasn't going in to try to, uh, negotiate or like wiggle my way into them, you know, giving me more money or like this, like, here's this offer letter, slam it on the table, match it, you know, where I walk away. Like that was the opposite of what I was trying to do. Um, so I remember like calling the, uh, the executive pastor who was my boss at the time. And I was like, Hey, can we meet? I was like, so nervous. I, I, I circled up in his office with him. I'm like, here's the deal. I got an offer. It's a great offer. You know, it makes another, you know, 15,000 more than what I make now. It feels like a great jump for me. Um, and I had not seen that number before on an offer letter ever in my life. And I was like, this is great. Like I have to do this. I would be a bad husband and dad if I didn't is the, you know, my thinking at the time. And they're like, well, are you going for any other reason other than financially? And I was like, no, I love my job at the church, but I have to go because of, you know, whatever. And they're like, well, let's just take that off the equation. Would you stay if the numbers were the same? I was like, a hundred percent. Like, why would I leave? I have no, I have no reason to leave. And so the church was like, Hey, uh, we'll match it. You know, we'll, we'll match the, the salary, whatever it, you know, whatever it is. And I met with the senior pastor cause he wanted to talk to me about it too. And I told them the number, you know, they were offering and they were like, okay, sure. Like, uh, we'll match it. And then I was walking out the door and I think both of the executive pastors were like, you should ask for more. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I walk and I walk out the door. I was a little bit of like a side comment, but I was like, crap, should I <laughs> like, you know, I, anyways, um, fast forward a couple of years. Um, this is not something that I recommend everybody do. It, it has the possibility to really like when you bring another offer to the table at your current employer, it ha it has the possibility of having a really, really bad look like that. You're just trying to negotiate and, and, you know, squirm your way into more money. Um, and I knew that after I had done that at that church that I, I didn't have that card anymore. So regardless of any more offers that had to come in the future, like I didn't have that, like, I couldn't play it anymore. It was, it would, it would be really, really, really bad look for me. Um, and a couple of years later, a different organization had hit me up and wanted to, um, reached out to me and, and hire me, you know, got all the way to the end of the process. We were really like, not sure if we wanted to go there. Um, and, uh, it was Is he great talking about when we tried salary? to hire him at church gear, Toby, <laughs> did you do that on your own, Blake? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, now, now you threw me all off. Um, where was I? Uh, okay. Process. So we got, an, I got, yeah, I got another offer from an, from another role. I knew that I already played the card with the church and I was like, okay, what, what should I do? And I ended up 
through some other conversations, this is me now into my career a decent amount of time realizing like what what a good salary should be. I was making a fine salary for what for what I was doing at the role in in my church, no question. Um, but I was like, hey, I really want a housing allowance. And if you don't know what a housing allowance is, it's basically like pastoral minister status to Uncle Sam that says you're going to use you know, a portion of your money because you're doing pastoral responsibilities and you're deemed as a pastor to not have taxes taken out for whatever you're allocating towards your housing. It's, it's a very complicated thing. Go call your accountant to have them explain it to you. But, uh, or just listen to what, our exec, uh, pastor episode. Cause, uh, Matt crushed it, not a tech he, professional, but crushed it. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, cause it's very, it's like, I've had to explain it so many times. And it's very hard to, to explain and the benefits that the church has matter a lot into the, the benefit of the housing allowance, meaning you're essentially a, you know, contractor, but you're not a contractor. You still get a WC at the end of the year, but the government views you as you didn't pay your social security. So you have to either pay it all of it. Um, or sometimes a church will do a social security offset and pay that seven and a half percent for you. You pay the other seven and a half percent, just like normal taxes. Anyways, uh, the benefit for it, if it works for you, can be a tremendous um, uh, like uh, difference in your take-home pay, even though your salary on a yearly basis doesn't change. So I took this other offer and I reached out to the senior pastor and I said, hey, I'm not going to ask you for more, more money. Here's what I'm asking you for, because this offer is very, very good and way more than you guys would ever, ever, ever be able to pay. Um, I want a housing allowance and here's the reasons why I'm already doing these things. Let's make it these things official from a pastoral side and, and let's, you know, let's call it a day. And so that's what, uh, that's what we did. And I remember getting my first check afterwards. And I, and I literally said to my wife, I was like, this is how some of the worship pastors on our staff can afford the houses that they could afford. <laughs> so I don't, I like <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, I'm hesitant to say that on a podcast, but I said that's my wife. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I had no idea what a what a benefit that was over the salary. Because at the end of the day, man, like all I care about was how much is my mortgage? How much am I, am I taking home every month? Can I pay my bills? Can I pay my car, my gas, my groceries, all this stuff? Like that's that's the, the lens that I'm looking through. Um, and it takes a lot more work tax season, like significantly more work tax season. Like my countertop is filled with receipts over the course of a year and I'm doing all this stuff for a couple of weeks on end. It's, it's terrible, but the win for it is, you know, was enormous. So, um, fast forward away from that. Okay. I'm getting ready to leave the chapel to go to Christ community. And I, I was in a, I was in a really like bad spot. It was November of 2020. I had been really, really burned in my role and, and, uh, three years later today, um, I can think of the things that like, there's a lot of things that I would do differently, uh, based on the way that I left and, and looking back now in time, I go, dang, like, I think there was a lot more of me that was wrong maybe than them. Um, well, I, I think do there was think, things that were, do you think when you yeah. set that pastor's car on fire, that was a bit over the line? <laughs> like that was a bit far. Yeah. I thought it was going to be fine, but it turned out it got, out, got out of control in the parking lot. Um, I didn't do that, by the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is how rumors um, get started. Yeah, this is how rumors get started. Um, and so uh, me and a couple of people from the leadership team were talking about my exit and the reasons why. And I just had a lot of things that I wanted to share. Um, that's code word for, I have a lot of things that I'm mad about and I want to talk to you about them before I leave. Um, and I remember, you know, reaching over or talking to the, you know, one of the senior leaders at um, on staff. And I just said, hey, like, do you feel like when I came to you the first time and said, hey, I have this offer, we're going from financial purpose. And then you were like, hey, I want to, you know, match that offer. Do you feel like I was like holding a gun to your head? And the answer was basically yes. And, and the church felt like in both of those scenarios, that I had gone to their head and they had no other option but to pay me. And that was the opposite of what I was trying to do in every way. Um, and so I look back and I go, hey, I probably could have done some things differently. And so I share that to say like, for people listening or are in that scenario that you want to like 
you know, you want to make more money. Everybody does. Like, like that's just a thing. Um, there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. And I thought I was doing it the right way. Um, and it came across as not. And so, uh, it was a learning moment for me. It was very humbling. And like to hear somebody say that to me, we're all like, that was not my, you know, perspective walking into that scenario, but it is what it is. And so, you know, I, I learned from it and I do things differently now, but, um, it was very, very different, you know, for, for me to hear that. And so that's my story about the, you know, bringing another offer to the table and going, Hey, what do you, what can we do about this? Cause that's a way that, you know, it was time to, time to make a change. Okay, Blake, I want to go off script a little bit and, uh, you can you can slap me if it if it doesn't go well and we can just revert back. But uh, I'm seeing all these uh, things that we didn't quite have in the notes, but I think they're super helpful stuff. So uh, Caleb, let's start with um, you know if you are looking for a job and doing salary negotiations, probably the best place to start is negotiating your salary before you even get to the table. Um, would you recommend like who would you reach out to personally to ask like? Hey, I'm going to talk to this church. I'm going to apply for jobs. Like, what should I be making? Are there like mentors or people that you go to in your life? Uh, anybody can call me. I'd be more than happy to give you the five minute spiel of what I think you should or shouldn't just based off of, um, Hey, tell me where you worked. What's your experience? Tell me your you know experience in leading teams, leading teams and leading paid staff is probably the two biggest, um, I would say leading paid staff is probably the bigger like negotiation bump that allows people to get paid more because I've overseen full-time staff for part-time staff. Um, I don't know of uh, honestly a great place that like is a resource of going, here's what you should make. There's that, you know, uh, so the Facebook group that everybody knows and jokes about, <laughs> right? With billions and billions of people in it. And I, found a post the other day of uh, some church that was going, hey, we want to hire this person. It's a full-time role. It makes $16, $17 an hour. And the comments just lit up, you know, in this, in this post, it was, it was absolutely ridiculous. And so there's not a lot of great re like online resources for like people to go to for going, hey, like, what is my value? What is my worth? Um, what is right, you know, coming out of college versus uh, I've been around for a couple of years, or let's just say I'm 25 and I'm married. That's also a different, you know, part of the conversation of just like, you know, how, how much is, uh, you know, the right salary for me and, and demographic and like, like geography is a massive, massive deal of, uh, you know, the kind of money that plays into it. So uh, if you, uh, if you want to reach out to Caleb, we'll put his uh, contact info out there. If you're cool with that, Caleb, um, as far oh, yeah, as church tech community, um, we at church gear are going to start offering some of these resources to be available to any church tech, but please reach out to wise counsel. And I stress the wise word before you go into negotiations, reach out to a, an executive pastor or a production director at a nearby large church or another church that you respect. Those guys would be happy to help you get those numbers. Um, um, kind of in your mind. And so let's let's start setting some realistic expectations. So uh, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but there's there's rarely an occasion where a full-time tech should make anything less than thirty five to forty thousand because you can make that at Panda Express. You can go to Home Depot these days and make forty thousand dollars just being an associate. That's not a skilled position. We're hiring for skilled position, even entry level guys, uh, let's say coming right out of college, like these are skilled positions. So Caleb, would you say there's there's no reason any full time tech at a church should make less than 35, 40? Yeah, I mean, I would I would say like 45 and even today, to be honest, tickling the 50 number. I mean, um, the like when we jump in at Slingshot to start a search, before that, before we start one, we make sure that the salary expectations of what they're asking and what the role is that their expectations of what they're getting are in alignment. Uh, that can vary depending on geography. It can vary depending on the church size, all of these things. But in our heads, as we're kind of scoping out, hey, like what is the type of person for this job? Like we have to go, hey, like, is this the right salary? And for us, like, 
you know, obviously depending on it, but if I'm thinking about a number like in that fifties range, mid fifties is like kind of where we look at it and go, Hey, is this viable? And our, our lens is like, would somebody move their family across the country to come to this church for this salary? Now, not just coming to your church because God calls you there or because you feel like, you know, whatever, it doesn't really matter the reason, would they come for that? And would they be able to comfortably live on their own? on that salary. And that's where for me personally, I've had a lot of like struggles with people, let's say who have been on my teams in the past, those same kind of billies who grew up in the church that I was like, Hey, these, these, these guys on my team are getting paid way too little. And I'm the guy who's doing it outside for slingshot and like knows the numbers, knows all this stuff. And even in those scenarios, like I wasn't able to convince leadership for my own team to pay them what I believe that they need. And to the point where we knew that if any of them left, we would have to pay that position more. And we did when we rehired them. It, it was very, very, very like challenging. And that's the part of like, through all of this, I think it's super duper important to say like, and I was like thinking about it before we were getting on this call that like, just because you have the skill set doesn't necessarily also mean that you're worth what you're asking for. Like, that's a very real, like, I'm going to totally play devil's advocate and go, you might be, you might have a really crappy attitude. You actually might not be as good as you think. You might be really sour to volunteers or say like backhanded comments, the things that's just like, Ooh, this is not good. And so you making that 40 K is that you're the warm body in your seat. And for you to move up, you have to actually feel like, or the church has to feel like you are number one worth what you're asking for, regardless of where that is in the spectrum of like national averages and go, Am I serving this church really well? And am I serving it in a way that like the culture of like what we're going for at the church is benefited by me being here? Um, so that's my, yeah, I got to say that because I think some people think, oh my gosh, I got to be making all this more money. And I just go, I don't think you should, man. Like, you know, let's grow a little bit in the leadership and like develop some, some tools that you can have to like actually pass your teams or pass your staff or whatever this looks like. Um, and then I'm all for people making as much money as they possibly can, you know? Yeah, to comment on, like, where should the salary start? I think it was se- when you combine uh, 30000 to 60000 70% of people were making sixty k or less. Out of 378 mm-hmm. people. Um, Caleb, I want to go real quick back to the bringing the counteroffer because I just think that's the stickiest scenario maybe of the whole series because – it, do, it got you a $15,000 raise. It feels fair if people are buying things that they should buy them for a fair market rate. How Did the church give you any advice on how you could have brought that to them kinder? Uh, no, not in that scenario. It was a little, yeah, I think it was the wrong time to ask some of those things. I think, uh, I think it's a way that like if the church really does want you, uh, I believe that they will pay. Like, I think if any one of my guys ever came to me and I actually never had to deal with this, like with anybody who was coming to me as their boss of saying, Hey, I have another offer. Um, but if they did, like I was ready to run to accounting or to finance and go, Hey, we have to pay this person, this extra, whatever the number is, because I know that if this person quits today, I will have to number one, retrain a new person in this role that will take eight to 12 months. And I will be paying more than what they're asking for, you know, to bump, you know, in pay. And some churches will do it and some others, you know, some won't. And it's, uh, it's no different than like your budget and your house and your income level is, might be different than mine or Toby's or Billy's, uh, like they're all different. And so in the same way, like the church has different budgets and just because you're a large church or multi-site church, like it doesn't mean that you have the budget of another multi-site church that is in Texas or in who knows where, you know what I mean? Like I've worked at some scrappy churches before when it comes to like operational budgets. So Toby, let's play this out live. Um, see how comfortable you feel with this. I bring you a offer letter that is 15 K more. I mean, that's a big number. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about like what you do if you accept it or not, just like as the, as the boss. And that would be like as executive pastor, like, is there a thing you would advise on just like the nicest way to start that conversation? I mean, it's a very tricky thing. What Caleb said that like it's a card you can play once is very much true. And it it's regardless of what um, 
you know, when you play it, it's going to, uh, it's going to leave a sour taste in, it'd leave a sour taste in my mouth. It'd leave totally. a sour taste in your pastor's mouth. Um, so you, you got to play it extremely carefully. Is there another way of saying, Hey, I, I want to have an honest conversation with you. I love being here. I love this church. I, I know there are opportunities out there for me to make more money. I don't want to take them because I love being here, but also I want to make sure I'm being a responsible steward for my family. And we can pull up the Bible verse that says, you know, you take care of your family. Um, so you approach it that way and say, what do you need from me to get to this level? Um, can we can we set sort of a, a leadership plan, a growth plan for me to uh, to prove to you that I'm worth this? And, you know, what in your mind, Pastor, is is worth this amount? Because I the last thing I want is to leave and then you have to go search for somebody else that doesn't share the same mission, and then you got to pay them this anyways. Like if you can kind of approach it in that way where it's a conversation and really you're you're getting on the same vision and mission, then that makes a huge difference rather than, hey, here's another offer letter, match it or I'm out. I'd almost say that like you start with that conversation, you never mention the other offer, and if that conversation Toby just outlined goes badly, I'm not saying this is a default answer, but Caleb, do you think that almost kind of tells you like, well, if you do get another offer, you probably should go like do everything Toby just said yeah. in a real honest, kind way. And if you can't make it work at your current one, the next offer might just kind of be, that's the one you take rather than souring your current place to get a raise. Yeah. I mean, the reality is you have to be okay. As soon as you get that offer and you're, and you're ready to tell somebody about it, you have to be willing to walk away basically that day, because the, the second that you bring that to the table, they're, they're questioning intentions, they're questioning motives of why you're wanting to do this. And it has to be set up with a, some serious level of like care and understanding of like, here's the reasons why. Um, I don't know. I don't even know. I don't I don't actually love the bring it after the conversation because it feels like it's like, I just groomed you to get to the point of like me providing an offer that I want you to match. Um, I think, I think it's also important. Like, uh, so we have this, we have this policy at Slingshot because we work with so many different churches. Um, it's important that like for the churches or other organizations that we serve or have served in the last three years, basically, we have a sunset period where the candidates, and this is anybody that is on this church staff. So let's just say, Crossroads Church, okay? Because every church is named Crossroads. Crossroads Church. <laughs> I can think of three uh, right now. <laughs> yeah, Crossroads Church does a search for a worship pastor, okay? For the next three years, every single one of those, those staff members, uh, regardless of where they're at and what department, if they're full-time or whatever, uh, if they come to Slingshot and say, hey, we want to become a candidate because I want to apply for this job, uh, we have to say, we actually have to have written supervisor approval to understand that. And here's why, because we don't want to look like we are taking people out of the churches that we are serving. Cause it's a, it's a real bad look and, and we don't want to do that. We're not in the, in the business of just trying to poach people or take people out of those roles. We know that there are seasons of that. And we also know that like, because of that policy for us, that causes some severe, like, like worry and scaredness in people to go, I can't tell my church that I'm looking because I feel like I'll get fired or I feel like the culture will be wrong or they'll view me, you know, uh, poorly and all this stuff, which is like honestly very real in some scenarios. And it really, really stinks um, for people that are in that seat. Um, but knowing that regardless of if you were working with Slingshot or another organization that had a similar policy, like it's important that you have an open and honest relationship about the way that you're feeling in your job that would cause you to even want to look um, to get to wherever that next thing is, you know, whether that's frustrations, whether that's culture, whether it's pay, whether it's any more people on my team or whatever that is, like build an open and honest relationship with your supervisor because those conversations are much easier to have down the road if you go, hey, I actually do have an offer and you're having that conversation. And if that's for the first time, it's going to be a blind side and it probably isn't going to go well in the first place, to be honest, because they're going to go, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to help you here, man. Like you, you, you didn't talk about all these things that were frustrating you and now you have a job offer and you're telling them all to me at once and I'm supposed to make a decision right here. So again, playing devil's advocate. Um, but it's a very, very tricky like scenario of, of you know, that side of looking for a job and negotiating what that is. 
Thanks for hanging out with us. We hope to see you back next week for more absurd stories, tech takeaways, and overall buffoonery here at the Church Gear Studios. So Blake, are we saying that Caleb is twice as good as any other guest that we've ever had? I can't do that, man. Todd Elliott is in the Rolodex, um, but I can say that he's twice as compelling and pretty, so we wanted to keep him on the line. I think he's twice as good as his previous self because he's already been on the podcast himself. It's very meta, but uh, he's he's doubled his value as far as church gear podcasting go. So I think what that means is two things. One, Caleb needs his whatever they're paying him at Amplio. You need to double it. Like, come on, mm-hmm. guys. So yep. We're, we're going to take yep. him. I'll tell you However that. many kids he has, he should just double that. Yep. Double his wives. Wait a minute. Um, <laughs> and then secondly, uh, we want to you know get these salaries up. If the people that are in the majority, 30 to 40, we're, we're almost trying to double that to get to 60. So share this episode. Post it in some of the Facebook groups. I don't know how we get this to people's execs, Pastor, because the church tech can't text it to them. That's the most passive-aggressive thing ever, but somehow we got to get it to them. So just share it like wildfire, and hopefully it lands in their ears. And I think the best thing for the community is for me to match the average salary of church techs to you, Blake, so that you become the face of the church tech community. Yep, let's do it. Locked it in. Oh, man. Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church gear. Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-R? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear. No joke, that didn't always work. Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? Uh, you know what? That one works.